In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. And then everyone said, jabroni. Jabroni, J-A-B-R-O-N-I-X-Y-Z-A-B-C. Oh, it doesn't matter, you spell jabroni. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Two Jabronis with a Wrestling Podcast. BJ Cruz here with my tag team partner, the most understanding co-host in the history of podcasts, the incomparable Jeremy Los. Jay, what is up, my dude? We are officially the Woj and Shams of wrestling podcasts because this has been like we were literally just signing on, having our like normal chit chat, and like NBA Twitter just decides they want to have a full on meltdown at fucking. Midnight Eastern. Yeah, there's a those guys don't sleep. Woj and Shams. Uh, I would love to be the Shams to your Woj in in, in the wrestling space, but well, uh, we'll we'll get there someday if we can get ever get a, an episode to record. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> but let's uh, let's let's handle logistics, the housekeeping. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And if you're one of our fantastic Apple Podcast users, please 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 rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling spicy. Leave a review, and if you're one of our Spotify listeners, hit us with that follow and help us climb those Spotify charts. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, Two Jabronis with a Wrestling Podcast. Hit that red button, uh, like it, do all the good stuff, leave comments. Uh, we spend a lot of time to make sure that we look pretty for you on these videos, so make sure that you go on the, on the YouTube. Look, Sorry. Ben's got a fresh, fresh-ish cut. Fresh. I'm wearing a backwards hat. You know, we're doing a lot here. Yeah, we're. So. We're, we're trying to we're trying to stay relevant. We're trying to stay cool. Uh, just yeah, too. We're just we're two middle aged dads, like just trying really hard. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, help us out. Yeah, um, and make sure you follow us on social at Two Jabronis Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy A Loss, and you can follow Ben at Cruise Control. That's Control with a K. All right, everyone. Before we get to the show, I got to apologize for last week's guffaw. I don't know. I've been. I, I just. I was looking for some sort of word that made me sound less dumb than I really am. We recorded a great episode. It was an hour-long episode. We were talking about the AEW video game. Uh, we hit... We hit. What else did we hit on? We hit on... The, 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 the main... We hit on We hit on uh, Full Gear. We hit Full Gear. It was, it was a really, really good episode. We felt good after a week off because we took the previous week off because the election. Just we mentally and physically weren't available to talk about wrestling. We were, we were texting and we just kind of had this mutual understanding that we should just take the week off let everything settle, and then we can kind of talk. And we were back. We were fired up. F- fire show in the can. And there's a setting. There's literally one button that I need to press to make sure that I get Jeremy's audio. And it was not. It was unpressed. I Well, I, it's like you didn't press that button, and then my computer decided that it didn't want to record on the, my the end. The backup recording. It was a perfect storm of not recording. And I'll tell you this. Look, the... All, all my audio geeks will probably feel this as well. It is a very empty feeling once you record and you realize nothing is there. <laughs> like when you're editing, it's just such an empty feeling. And the reason why I gave Jeremy such a uh, pleasant introduction today was because I texted him and was like, dude, I messed up. I'm so sorry. He's like, that's oh, okay. So um, <laughs> he's, I know he's plotting to, to, kill me at some point i mean once once we get out of like our fifth lockdown i'll be able to like hit you with a chair shot yeah and, it's, uh, it's just building my retribution it's, it's good storytelling is what it is we're playing the long game here this is yeah it's the, this is the long long this is like sasha and bailey you knew it was gonna happen but you're still shocked <laughs> when it does so anyway we uh we apologize for last week's missing of uh the episode but we are back we're also working on some working on some other stuff uh some some other content that we are very very excited about we'll talk about that more uh down the line i got some stuff cooking in the uh the kitchen 
back room? Cooking in the pot? I don't know. I don't. I, I ran out of cook. I haven't watched Food Network as much these days because it just makes me hungry. All right. It's, uh, I'm ready to talk some wrestling um, because as well. it's, it's been a long, long two weeks, but we are back, baby. So it is now time for us to stick to wrestling. And we should talk about it. I think we should stick to wrestling. And for this week's Stick to Wrestling, we're talking Drew McIntyre is back as your WWE champion. And that sparked a conversation with us kind of toward the end of the show toward the end of Raw, I should say, about when was the last time the title changed hands on Raw? It's kind of a big deal when it happens, um, mm-hmm. and we wanted to dive into that. But first, let's start with the present. Drew McIntyre, now again, a two, he's now a two-time WWE champion, and he beat Randy Orton tonight. Clean, middle of the ring, Claymore, and, and you know, but there was a little bit of a tease where it was hanging hanging out in the middle of the ring where you thought Miz might come down to do a little cash in, but nope, left, show ended. So now that sets up a monster, monster matchup at Survivor Series with Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns, which on paper, my God, is going to be a banger of all bangers. So I guess I'll throw it to you because Drew winning, again, is on Raw specifically, is a big deal. Are you a fan of this move? Do you, do you think it was the right call to put the strap back on him? Uh, I am, and I'm I, I, yes and no. So I, I'm a fan of it because what they teased on Friday with Drew and Roman it got my blood boiling. I was like, yeah, I want to see this. Yeah, because I mean, they were, I mean, they flat out just hinted like this is going to be the match. They, I think they wanted to see what the um, what the reaction was going to be. And it was just a, a, a overwhelmingly positive that they wanted to see that match. So I think they pulled the trigger here, but the other side, like, and I saw some of this feedback on, on Twitter uh, after the match was why pull this, tr- why even put the belt on Randy if you're going to take it off of him on a raw. And if you're going to put the belt on him, why not put it on him at SummerSlam when he was red hot versus in, at hell in a cell when we had to go through three different matches to actually get there, you know? So it, it's, it's good because we're actually getting the outcome that I think a lot of people wanted. I think a lot of people wanted to see Drew Roman, two of the biggest, like the biggest stars in the company right now. Let's see what they got and really save the Survivor Series card that is a train wreck. Yep. Without a doubt, everything about it has been a train wreck. Um, But then you also look at it from the other side. It's like, what was the point of putting it on Randy? Was it just to kind of give Drew a chance to chase and maybe refresh that character a little bit more because he was getting a little stale as a champion? Or was it just to like pad the stats for Randy so that eventually, maybe when John Cena comes back, if he ever comes back, like we have that moment where we have Cena versus Orton for like number 17. Sure. You know? I mean, maybe I'm in the minority here about the the Orton, him winning at Hell in a Cell was kind of pointless. But at the end of it, I mean, I do think him winning at Hell in a Cell was to add, was to get 14, right? He's he's mm-hmm. just kind of climbing the ranks in terms of title reigns. And like, I think it is rewarding him for the hot, basically, year that he has had, right? And look, he they, they didn't put it on him at SummerSlam. And that, that, I think that's that was fine, too. I think to extend that program was a little bit strange in of itself. Like, I think if, if and when, obviously he didn't, Orton didn't win the title at SummerSlam, they should have moved on. Drew should have went on to another, another feud. I think that would have, to your point, refreshed his character, kept him fresh because I, you know, months ago we were frustrated about Drew not having a long-term feud. And then I think the Randy one, they went a little too far (laughs) to the opposite side. Right. And they were like, this feud's, Running a little too long. So, but to to just kind of push back a little bit on the notion that Randy winning at Hell in a Cell was pointless. Like, there's always a point to someone winning a title, right? Is there, though? But, I mean, it, there's, I mean, within the storytelling aspect, absolutely, right? Like, it's it's a change of the hand. Like, that's still a big deal, especially, I, especially I, I with the main the- title. Like, if you want to talk like the U.S. title, the IC title, and the tag team belts... I'm with you on that. Maybe that maybe those don't matter as much, but the main title on each show, it's a big deal. It's a big deal when when that changes hands. And which leads me to my point about tonight was a huge deal for Drew specifically because the title doesn't change hands 
on Raw a lot, if if at all, right? And mm-hmm. we'll kind of dive into the numbers about how often that happens. But I think that's a great look for Drew. And and I, I, to what you said earlier about them kind of basically beta testing Drew and Roman and what that looked like and what reaction that got and what their chemistry looked like just for Survivor Series, you're right. Like that popped off the screen last Friday, just that stare down. And that was that was awesome to see. You're like, oh, these two, you put them in a match, that's money. And yeah, I'm it, sure like they had, I, I'm sure they rewrote like everything after that. They're like, okay, this is what we got to do. Yeah. Because I mean, we've seen Randy versus Roman. We've seen it a hundred times. Yep. Like Drew and in this incarnation versus Roman um, is a new thing. It just like, the more I think about it, it just, it screams that they had no idea what to do around that time of SummerSlam because the right call is to put it on Randy and have him kind of carry for like the, the last tail end of the summer. But I feel like they didn't really know what to do. So they just kind of kept it going and pushed it along and pushed it along and pushed it along. And then finally made the decision and realized probably like, okay, we have to get back to where we were before because this isn't really going to be anything that we were kind of hoping for. Maybe it was, they were banking on edge being back or banking on something coming along the line, like coming up, like down the road, maybe, maybe they were banking on crowds coming back so that they could have edge or maybe Brock Lesnar come back. And I think that just kind of got derailed. So I I don't know. I think it's just weird to me. Like you would make that decision so late. And then when you do, you autumn, like you reverse course less than a month later. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I still don't know if it's like as big a deal as people are making it. You know what I mean? Because it's Mm -hmm. like, we're getting the match that we all want, which is Roman and Drew. And look, dude, was it a wonky road to get here? Sure, a little bit. Is it the worst thing WWE has done in the past couple of years? Absolutely not. Like this is It's not even the worst thing they've done in the last three months. Right. I mean, they still haven't explained why they broke up the iconics. What the fuck? Right. Or like retribution still a thing. You know what I mean? So it's Okay, not... can we speak on that really quick? Sorry, we're gonna go off on a tangent here. Yes. Like you always, my, by the way, if if we if there were some advanced stat nerds out there who listen to the show, every time I mention retribution, the, the look on your face and you go, <laughs> "Can we talk about them for a second? It's just I feel like that's how you start every retribution point, but I love it. Go ahead. <laughs> so like, uh, Mustafa Ali is awesome. Don't get me wrong. Great, love him. Great, it's fantastic. But they haven't done enough with him as the leader. They are still doing this really stupid thing when they, when they come out, they shake the camera and I get motion sickness when they do that. Very I'm like, Blair, I don't Blair witch esque. It's getting just like, motion, they, yeah. it's really annoying. And they just still haven't been able to find what they're hoping for in that group. I think what really would do it is if they got rid of the masks and they got rid of the stupid names and just let them be badasses. Like, I think it, it's weird that like, Mustafa Ali is just a normal guy. And then he has like four like weirdos behind him wearing masks for no goddamn reason. And Mia Yim just like talks normal. Like, why does she need a mask? Yeah. It's just, it makes zero sense to me. I really don't understand it. Um, and now they were like, they were feuding with like the, the Survivor Series team. The Survivor Series, I'm like going to go off on a really bad tangent. Like the Survivor Series team aspect thing is weird too. Like, are they going to build feuds out of this? The Survivor like, Series team? The point here is I to guess. take this like, and, like branch out feuds because if not, like, what are we doing? Like, the team captain aspect is weird. The fact that Summer or that SmackDown still has like three roster spots to fill on the men's and women's uh, um, rosters, it's just, it's a giant fucking mess to me. And at the heart of it is is retribution because I blame retribution for all the problems in wrestling right now because <laughs> terrible what they're doing to these people. I feel so bad for them. Uh, again, I was uh, I was I was on that hype train for a very long time because I again I love a good faction. This has not been a good faction. <laughs> it's just and that's be I think really nice about it. And it's it's just really a bummer because you you're right. Like Mustafa Ali is is putting in work, and he's really really good in this role if they could just kind of iron out the rest of the group and make them 
I, I initially didn't think the masks were all that bad. And then, like, I think as you see them more, you're like, this is kind of dumb. Like, I, you, it's, it's because you know who's behind them. Right. And, and, and it's they'd like, be much have, more badass without them. You have Ali just cutting a Fuego promo. And you look behind them, and there's a dumbass in a fucking hockey mask looking sideways like it's Halloween. It's like, no, just take the mask off and stand there like a boss. Like, yeah, what gets the hurt business over so much besides MVP being fucking MVP and killing it is like they all look like a million bucks. They all look like badasses standing there in suits. You know, yeah. like I understand that the gimmick is like, quote unquote, Antifa. And it's like Vince McMahon just kind of throwing his own like version of Antifa at people. But like they don't need to be wearing masks. They can just they can wear all black. You know? Yeah. No, no, no. Totally. All right. We, I, I want to talk about raw title changes because that's just a topic that I found fascinating. Probably my whole wrestling fandom. And I, I do want to dive into that. But first, let's, let's pay these bills um, because we need to. <laughs> so let's take a quick <laughs> break and talk about our friends over at Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month, according to Comscore. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Let's take a moment to hear from our friends over at Bet Online. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. I wonder if Bet Online has like odds on how many draft picks you have to give up for a certain trade. They, uh, they have. Did you just? I get some interesting odds from them just in my email. Uh, just like who's or I actually got some today, which were super interesting about the draft on Wednesday. Like who's the the first pick? Who's the first person they're going to hug? <laughs> like mom, dad, yeah, sibling, significant other. So they, they've got stuff. They, they they've got everything over there. Yeah. I mean, I would like take the I would have loved to put some money down on like how many first round picks that a team would have to give up for Drew Holiday. Three first round. The picks answer is three. Which is which five is, picks. Just a little wild. Well, I'm still a little confused as to how pick swaps work. Are those considered picks? Um, I don't. Well, I think it evens out, right? So I just, I don't, yeah, it, I don't it, think so. Being like, you just like the Bucks or the the Pelicans have the right. Like, if the Bucks yeah. have a worse pick, they can you just go. Oh, I want that. Pick. Yeah, exactly. So, but you don't lose anything. So, yeah, you don't. It's just damn. That's a lot. All it, right, let's talk. Is. Let's so yeah, we let's talk raw title changes because it, again, it's something that I've always found interesting because one in our research, yes, we did some research today, people. We are really, I mean, we're, we're real podcasters at this point. We um, it seems like a raw title change happens 
like the Olympics. It literally has happened almost every four years based on like kind of the the timeline that Jeremy has pulled up. And 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 that's why I think today was such a big deal for Drew specifically was like cementing him as someone that they can trust to carry the title moving forward. Not only is it like, do they trust him to face Roman at Survivor Series, you know, as the headlining match, but again, to be the face of Raw moving forward. That, that I think that's just a huge sign that even more so that they're just kind of ready for him to run with this for as long as possible. And if you look at everyone else that's kind of had the, I guess, the honor, if you will, of winning the title on Raw, it's 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 a lot of big names, right? Like, and, and yeah, they, so, they've created some big moments out of them. So, like, re- yeah. read some of them off. So, going through uh, the goldmine that is Wikipedia, the last actual title change on Raw was Roman Reigns back in December 14th, 2015 in that title versus career match against Sheamus. Yep. Um, and then out of that, we had just the incredible um, Royal Rumble where he actually defended the belt in the, in the Royal oh, Rumble. Oh, yeah. Match, yeah, yeah. Which was awesome which to was me. And I think, I think that was the Rumble where I, I thought, like, I always thought that there was another person that was still, like, ready to come out. Um, but, yeah, there was that. And then you have to go back all the way to 2011 when it wow. got changed back when, I mean, this is an iconic moment in history, in wrestling history, when John Cena won the title from Rey Mysterio and CM Punk came out and they had the dueling belts. And that's when CM Punk debuted Cult of Personality as his music. And you just have that moment where they go off the air and they're both holding up the titles. So it's been, I mean, the last... 10 years the belt has changed hands on raw three times because if you, you can even go back to 2010 and the miz actually cashed in um and won his belt on raw so it doesn't change hands very much there on on raw it changed hands twice on smackdown in that same time period um back when aj styles beat jinder mahal and then dan o'brien beat aj styles and then we had kofi winning the title at wrestlemania 35 and then if you switch if you if you go to the other side of things, uh, the universal title technically has only been won on Raw once, and that yeah. was by Kevin Owens after Finn Balor. Um, Amazing moment with, with Triple H turning on Seth, right? Which was yeah. just an incredible, incredible moment. Um, yeah, I mean, so it, it is it is a very significant moment when the title of this stature changes hands on Raw. Oh. And also, you got to remember that um, Brock Lesnar beat Kofi Kingston for for the WWE Championship on SmackDown. Ugh, I, um, I I so try we, to uh, we try to forget that try one, to block yeah. that one out of my mind for. Uh... But um, <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't happen. So for this, it, it does mean that like they have a lot invested in Drew McIntyre. Where this goes is also an interesting like thing to think about because obviously you have the Miz kind of hanging around, and he's in a mini feud with the Fiend. So is this a way to get to that? Like to get the Miz and the Fiend uh, in a title in in into the main title picture, and maybe give Drew some time off? I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, that's that's good booking by you. I, I'm like I'm kind of into that idea, but I, I do think it makes more sense for Miz to kind of hover around Drew as a potential cash in, right? Because. Yeah. Him hovering around Randy, I guess they have they do have the history because he's literally when he cashed in, it was on Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. But I think it's uh it has to be I think for a cash in to be that effective, it has to be heel face, right? Like there has to be a clear distinction about who what if is, it's, who's cashing in. What if it's if it ends up being the fiend next for Drew McIntyre and the fiend wins it and Miz cashes in on the fiend? I feel like they're setting up Miz to not win the title when he cashes in. Do you have that feeling? I, oh that, yeah, one hundred percent. That's just the feeling that I have. So like, he's gonna cash in, but he's not gonna win. So if I don't think there's any way in hell you can put the belt on Miz, he just doesn't have the the cachet to carry the brand in this climate. Yeah, like and, I can understand if there, if there was an audience, because then he can get over with like his antics. But like with no audience, for me, he just doesn't have it to like really carry a brand like a Drew McIntyre, like a Fiend. Like a, I, like a I, I could see him like the, the only way I could see him winning the title is if he cashed in, won it, and then dropped it almost immediately. Right? Like, hey, we need to promote the season finale of Miz and Misses. He wins the title the week before 
and then drops it like during the season premiere or something like that. Right. So like, yeah, I feel like that's the only way it would make sense to even think about putting it on Miz. But that being said, uh, just just to like kind of like touch back a little bit on on the raw title changes. Again, one of my I, I was uh, when I did um, the when I did the fight game podcast a, a couple weeks ago, um, Double G, friend of the show. He asked me, like, you know, what are some of your favorite matches, if not your favorite match of all time? And, like, I, I listed a couple, and I can't believe that this slipped my mind because it is legitimately one of them, is when Mankind won the title on Raw in the during the Monday Night Wars when Tony Schiavone on the other Yeah, end, the infamous, like, they're going to change the title. They're going to change right. titles. In the other so, because it was pre-taped. Yep. That's still, like, one of the best moments Raw moments, anyway, and and I like I kick I listened back to the episode and I was like I can't believe I didn't talk about this because that that was just, that match was just bonkers, right? Like DX was involved, the corporation was involved, Austin got involved, which which to this day I think is still one of the biggest pops I've ever heard in wrestling. Period, right? Like it's chaos around the ring. Rock and Mankind are 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 all disoriented in the middle of the ring, and then you're like, this is Michael Cole's screaming at the top of his lungs and the glass shatters mm-hmm. that pop my god was insane and then when he hits um when he hits rock in the head with the chair and then the subsequent pinning of mankind winning the title and dx is like hoisting him on the shoulders and stuff like that that was just an iconic iconic raw title change and just get an iconic raw moment period so which just goes to show again these are these moments just don't happen and when they do we gotta like we gotta kind of take them in, which is and I don't want to like. I know that I kind of like was talking about how the decision to 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 put the belt on Randy didn't really make sense, but I I do want to recognize the fact that this match was actually really really entertaining. Yeah, it was good. I, it was really I liked good. it a lot, and yeah. like they beat the shit out of each other for the last like twenty minutes. I kind of wish like they built it up like they were gonna like give it like almost an hour, and I kind of wish that they did. Yeah, um, just yeah. dedicate that final hour to that match. They also like built it up pretty heavily throughout the night. They were treating it like this was a one-time thing, and they don't, I don't think they like realized that we were all kind of tired of this feud, and we're like we've seen this match a thousand times. But yep. I just liked that they they dedicated a good chunk of time to this. They really built it up to make it feel special. They gave Drew um, that that special entrance. I, I had my TV on mute, so I couldn't hear what Sheamus was doing with the sword and the kilt and all that stuff. So forgive me if I missed that, but. Um, I just it just felt special and it does feel like they have a star in Drew McIntyre. Yeah. It's just now where do you go from here? Because now you're getting into we're getting dangerously close to WrestleMania season. And I mean we're not gonna we're not getting this at uh at at SoFi Stadium. We're not probably we're probably not gonna have a crowd. Ugh. So so sad. Wear a mask, Rock, people. My God. The the Rock Roman is out the window. It's it's not happening. So, so sad. now you have to start making decisions of like what are you going to do to top what you did last year at WrestleMania and make it a little bit more entertaining with no crowd? Because that's, that's the reality. Like they have to make, they have to make some really difficult decisions and figure out what's going to work and what doesn't. And they're not going to have certain talent at their disposal. Like there's probably not going to be Brock Lesnar. By the way, did you see that photo of Brock Lesnar going around the internet the other day? The one with the, where he's rocking the mustache. Jesus, the, man. Yeah, the strange. I mean, I know that I know that my beard and goatee is not like good, but his his was bad. It's uh, it's a choice. I'll, I'll give him that. It's it's <laughs> it's definitely a choice. Um, maybe that's that's why he's not on TV right now. He's like, I'm, I'm letting. Is, I mean, maybe he is, is he is he participating in some sort of Movember thing that we're not aware of? I don't want to. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, but he grows a nice beard. I don't know if you remember watching him fight Cain Velasquez back in the day, but he had a really nice, luscious beard, and now he looks. It, it's he a looks pandemic. Like a, it's a, he's it's in the middle of a pandemic, man. He's he's just he's trying. He's he's just I'm trying to get sure. by. He's he's sure. he's heartbroken that uh his mouthpiece is now with somebody else. You know, who wouldn't who wouldn't just try to grow a very strange piece of facial hair to uh to cope with that? So, um, to put a bow on on this, you know, I, I'm 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 super excited for Roman Drew. I think that's just going to be a money match on what's I don't know, kind of shaping up to be a lackluster pay-per-view. I do think that kind of with this raw team that they're with this, 
you know, the infighting and everything else that they're trying to do. They're trying to figure out within that group who is going to be the next challenger for Drew, right? I feel like they're, they're, that's part of the reason why they're featuring it so much. And, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's with that group. And, and any one of those five guys outside of maybe Seamus, no, actually Seamus might be the most interesting. I take that back. I was going to say he was there, like the least there, interesting. There is a storyline there. There is because they're like really, really good friends. Right. From back it's just in the like, day. If they don't do The Fiend, which I, I mean they should because The Fiend is... Yeah. The Fiend and Alexa Bliss are just on another level right now. Yep. What they did tonight was just incredible. I loved every second of it. If they don't do that, they need to do Keith Lee because yeah. Keith Lee has been putting in work. Um, it's money. I really don't want to see Braun Strowman in, 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 in the title picture. Also, did you also did you notice that when Braun, Braun Strowman's new gear, he has like gloves taped to his pants? Well, he and then you, he, takes, you, and then he, you he can't puts lose the gloves on. You can't lose your gloves. You know how annoying that is when you just have hey, one just, glove. Just wear the gloves, my guy. Just wear them. Um, <laughs> He's a five year old child. You got to strap the gloves to his person. <laughs> that's that's he's really got a leash for his phone. Yeah, his gloves. Um, yeah. I mean, if if they do. Anybody, it has to be Keith Lee. Shit, I would do Riddle. I mean, he's fine. Woo, woof. The, by the way, I mean they're st- gonna do like the stock, that stock is down this. on Matt Riddle. It, it's way down, man. It's it's so ooh, it's ooh, bad. Boy. It is. Uh, but like, I, I'm sure the feud coming out of that is gonna be AJ Styles Riddle. It seems like that's the way they're going. Yeah. Um. The the stock is way. I mean. Outside of Keith Lee, the stock is way down on everybody in that match. Sure, that's and Keith Lee is kind of like he's teetering. hanging around there. He's teetering in part because his music is still god awful. It's still, uh, yeah, he's got he still has that creator wrestler music, which they need. I just they don't need understand. Like they had a perfect product coming out of NXT, and then they just decide to like fuck it up. Look, man, you're preaching to the choir, but you're also like I don't know why you're kind of surprised, right? <laughs> like they always I mean, there's the always that, something. That they, they do from NXT to Raw or SmackDown. That just they did the same thing with Aleister Black. Also, did you let's 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 hit this now. So like with Selena Vega getting released, which is just absolutely bonkers to me. It's like, wild. It's wild. There was the there was a story going around that Aleister Black actually requested to go back to NXT and it got denied. And that's crazy. That's, that's wild. Crazy to me. To me. If you're not going to use him or use him correctly, a guy that has that much talent who did so much good work in NXT, just let him go back and let him star. Like let yeah. him be a fucking main event player again instead of having them like I feel like that was a move. I feel like that was a move out of spite because they were upset with stuff that Zelina was doing, which again, I'll we, we gotta get someone on here who kind of just knows the the ins and outs of that whole third, third party parties, yeah. income because you know, stuff that I read was that she makes more money doing her Twitch stuff than she does WWE, which is I, I don't doubt it. Insane. Well, it's not insane. Twitch is like a, it's it's huge, right? And you can make a shit ton of money um, through that, and you know, a YouTube channel and um, cameo and all this stuff that they they should just be allowing. Like it, it's at the end of the day, it's like video. It's like all these illegal wrestling videos on YouTube. It's all free marketing for you, right? Like. It, it, it's just insane to me. Um, but yeah, the, what they're doing with Alistair, man, I, I hope they just don't go full Lana on him. You know what I mean? Like where she just so going she's through, a table through nine weeks week. in a row now. Yeah. It's, it's brutal. And like, if you're Miro, are you like, dude, this is at some, at some point, just stop showing up to work. They gave her like, um, uh, like a backstage documentary on the network they do and uh, from what i heard I, I i gotta i gotta check it out but the initial response on twitter so far has been pretty positive i heard it's pretty i mean good. i'd be interested to know her story a little bit more i just know her back from like didn't she wasn't she part of like jen sturger's cl- crew at like florida state yeah so, something like that um so she's yeah. uh it'll be interesting I, I feel bad for her but at the same time she's also in the uh the Survivor, she's in the Survivor Series, Series match. So. She's getting TV time. Yeah. She's just taking hellacious bumps every week. It's money. Um, I mean, if this is a way to get her, like, I think they're trying to get her over, like, sympathetically and just, like, yeah. make her that. that I think that's the because it, for, it's a hard for, it's a hard pivot though from like a year ago. When, it is a hard pivot, but I think this is like I, I guess this is their only way that they imagine that they can make her a sympathetic figure out of sure. coming off of coming from being 
the ravishing Russian uh, in like um, Rusev's mouthpiece to being like a disgusting human being as a character. I'm not trying to say yeah, yeah, she's yeah. disgusting, like, but as a character. And then now they're trying to make her a sympathetic character. So I think this is like everybody is seeing it as like vengeance for Miro. But like, I think also it just makes sense to try to make her like sympathize with her that she's going to the table every single week. Yep. Um, and just handling her business. So, um, but yeah, Survivor Series as a whole, that was a weird transition. I don't know why I did it that way. But anyway, Survivor <laughs> Series sense. as a whole. Lana, Survivor Series. There's a connection it, there. It's just a weird mix going on. Like, also, it seems like Seth Rollins is going to be disappearing from TV for a while. It makes sense because, I mean, he's I think the baby's baby. coming soon, right? Yeah. So he has that, he has that match with, with Buddy on Friday. And then he's in the Survivor Series match, and I think he's gone for at least till the Rumble. So that actually be kind of awesome. I mean, I love Seth Rollins, big fan, but to take some time off again, it's it's with wrestling as you and I know this, and every mark out there, absence literally makes the heart grow fonder. Because if I think people have just Seth has been in our life for consistently over the better part of like five years, right? Just like constantly, and um. I, I I'd love to see him continue wrestling, but obviously he's got bigger things going on. Uh, his family's about to start, so I, I think that's going to be awesome for when, yeah. even when he does come back, the pop's going to be great. If and hopefully, he comes it's back at Rumble crowd. and they play Burn It Down, yeah, that play like it 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 would be a big pop. I mean, obviously there's not going to be any fans to like explode, but like at least it'll be a big pop in the house. Um, so that'd be great, and, and I'm interested to see what they do with this buddy uh, storyline. There was like the rumor going around that they wanted to do a wedding. With Buddy oh, and Aaliyah, my. which I think is a terrible idea, but that's that's the the rumor going around. But we'll see what they with what they do with that. Um, another thing I wanted to to just like get your opinion on, and it's it's a massive anniversary coming up on on Survivor Series Sunday. Yep, it is the 30th anniversary of, of the Undertaker's debut. Yep, it is considered his final appearance. Appearance, hopefully, fingers crossed. So what we wanted to do and what I wanted to get from you was I wanted to hear what your first, uh, when was the first time you saw the undertaker? If you can remember, what was your first reaction? And then what's your favorite undertaker? match? Yeah. Uh, so the first time I can't remember the first time I saw the undertaker, the first memory I have of the undertaker that's significant is when he beat Sid for the title at WrestleMania 13. Uh, because th- that was like one of the first pay-per-views that I was able to wa- actually watch. Um, because again, back then, finding WWE content on pay-per-view was really, really difficult. So that was a really big moment for me because obviously Taker was already, he was kind of on the, if not at his peak, kind of on the ascend toward the top. Um, mm-hmm. So that that was a big moment. My favorite match of his it's probably him and Triple H at WrestleMania 28. Uh, just yep. their uh, the end of an era match where him, Trips, and HBK, who was the, the guest referee, are just at the end of the match. They're The three of them are together. They're all limping toward the end of the ramp, and they all turn around, and they have that moment together. And I think... And it's it's probably more of an emotional tie for me as to why that's my favorite match is because, and look, we, we shit on WWE, Michael Cole and, and, and whoever else is uh, promoting, you know, a match or a type of show for like just repeating a phrase over and over again, like end of an era, right. For, for this specific match, it just got me for whatever reasons, because I, I literally grew up watching these three dudes and they played such a big role in my wrestling fandom as a whole. And to, mm-hmm. for them, all three of them to have that moment together. And literally, these two dudes had spent the better part of almost, what, I can't, how long was that match? Like almost 30 minutes, if not more. Uh, just, oh, it was like, I thought it was like close to 45 minutes. Yeah, it was, it was, it was super long. And like they were just beating the shit out of each other. And um, it was, to, for them to have that moment was just, really really big for me um because i think that's what kind of when it was also the end of an era where i was like 
a fan or not I, it's i'm obviously still a fan but it was like we're obviously a little bit more jaded <laughs> now than we were back then and you know you just start to look at wrestling a little different you you don't appreciate the um the small nuances as much and the, and the surprises because again we're also jaded we're just kind of expecting certain things and it all just kind of came to a head at the at that match and it was it was just really cool to see the three of them who who were a huge part of the attitude era and a huge part of why not WWE became who they were obviously you know no disrespect to Rock and Austin but these three dudes kind of stuck it out right Rock and Austin unfortunately had to had to leave when they right. when they left and these three dudes were just consistently part of WWE and are synonymous with WWE, right? Which yeah, I mean, they helped kind of bridge that gap between the Attitude Era and the Ruthless, ruthless Aggression Era. Like, yeah. they were able to just kind of, like, keep the keep the wheels on yeah. uh, until they you started to get, like, a John Cena, a Batista. You started to get more stars. Like, they were able to, like, help carry that. Yep. For me, it, this is a weird one, but I first remember... I mean, my first like vivid memory of the of Undertaker was when he wore the gray mask. Oh like, yeah, like super random. Like I I probably remember watching a match of his like way way back in the day, but like for some reason the gray mask just stood out to me, um, and it was just a moment that I always kind of remember and it's kind of ingrained in my mind. Uh, I kind of wish that he would just made that his gimmick and wore that all the time because I thought it looked cool. I mean, yeah, you had this like burly guy wearing a really awkward like kind of frightening mask in a way so that was kind of like my introduction and then obviously throughout the attitude era just kind of being uh, along for the ride um and then for me my favorite match was this match with with edge at wrestlemania oh fantastic um, great choice. i love that match um i i mean the, the match with, with triple h the the series of matches with triple h um were great um but that edge match just had everything it was it was really, really quality stuff. And then I think there was a story going around that like that could have potentially been the end of the streak as well. Um, yeah. And I think edge put a, like edge was the one that like kiboshed that one. I, I uh, yeah, mean, no, that, I think that's, that's true. Edge, it just kind of got it right. Like everyone wanted to be the one to end the streak. And Edge was like, ah, that, it can't be me. This, yeah. Like, that's why. And it just, it's awesome to think about like, so like the, the greatest matches, it's very rare that you do. You can say this about like certain wrestlers, but like, I would say a, 75 80% of the best Undertaker matches happened at WrestleMania. Like he performed on the biggest stage in front of the largest audience. Like he knew how to bring the house that bring the house down. Um, and it just kind of solidified his role or his place on like that Mount Rushmore because he knew that when, when the chips were down, he was going to put on a great performance and he had, he had, he was able to pull things out. Like even when he was getting a little bit older, like his matches weren't that great. Uh, I would say his match with Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania 31, which I was there for, was a really big disappointment because I was looking forward to that. But you were able to see him like transition. They then they developed the Boneyard match, which is an excellent way to, for him to go out at WrestleMania. And then you have his matches with Triple H. You have his matches. With, you have his match with Brock Lesnar. You have his match with Edge. You have his his, his matches with Shawn Michaels. You know, like those are classics. You know, what I mean, you can turn those on on the, on, on the network and just go and go with it so and then you also have the man the mankind feud like he had so many great matches the mankind um, feud i feel is like underrated when people talk about his great feuds like that's actually as you were talking the boiler room match that he had with mankind i think it was at wrestlemania 12 or 11 was that's the first memory i have of him like paul bear turning his back on the undertaker mm-hmm. and hitting him in the head and giving it to mankind like that was that was wild and the well, obviously, there's the the ultimate moment of him tossing mankind off the freaking top of Hell in the Cell, and like it's one of, if not the most iconic moment in all of wrestling. Um, so, but I feel like whenever they people go down the line of like his great feuds, people forget about the McFoley. What would you say his his greatest feud is? Is it? I, I'm I'm gonna say it's Shawn Michaels. Shawn, I mean. His his matches with Sean were friggin' phenomenal, and it's I mean, just he still crazy. has the he still has the greatest Hell in a Cell match of all time. Like on paper, I don't know if it should have worked as well as it did. Right, like they're just they're so different in size, their styles are so significantly different. Where you're like, from a chemistry standpoint, I don't know if this will play, but it, they played so freaking well together, and 
I mean, credits to both of them. They're just both phenomenal performers and, and superstars and two of the best ever. But it, it, it's kind of crazy that they both worked as well as they did. Like all the other ones, they kind of make sense mm-hmm. a little bit more than than that. But yeah, I, would I mean, say I, Sean. It, watching the Boneyard match and seeing like the chemistry that they had. Granted, it was on like a, a cinematic match and, and probably a lot of edits. But like, it makes me just like swoon over the idea of like a prime AJ Styles versus a prime oh. Undertaker because that's like, yeah. I mean, that's that's freaking Shawn Michaels a Jace, you know, right. and yep. that would have been incredible. And, and and I think it's like a testament to both like Shawn Michaels and, and Undertaker just really understanding the business and, and, and Undertaker being a big man, realizing that like to get Shawn over and to make Shawn look good, you have to sell your ass off. You have to, you have to really lay, like allow him to lay into you and sell the fact that a guy that's half your size can, can beat you up, you know? And if, it takes a lot to do that. And it takes a lot of like, you, you have to really understand the psychology of, of, of wrestling and understand like what goes into like putting somebody over. And I think it's, it's awesome. There's that funny story. I don't know if you've seen this with the funny story of Cody Rhodes talking about when he faced the undertaker in the rumble match. Re- go remind me. Re- remind so the listeners there's a story where like Cody's telling the story. And he, he's, he's talking about how he goes up to undertaker in the rumble match. I think this is at Madison square garden. And he hits he hits Undertaker with a with a forearm, and Undertaker turns around and he puts his hand on his on his on his neck, and Cody describing it. He's like, "Yeah, I'm going for a ride," and then he he kicks out of the the choke slam, and uh, he punches him, and then when he's coming down, Undertaker tells him to drop kick him, and so he's like, "What?" And so he like full on like drop kicks him, and he and Taker takes the bump, and like in the story on the video, like Cody has this this huge smile on his face because he's talking about how like undertaker sold for him and made him you know yeah. he made him in that moment and that's what made undertaker special is that like he realized that he can either be the guy that doesn't put any talent over and just like kind of ruins the 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 locker room or he can kind of be a locker room leader and, and try to put as many people over while he's there and he was that guy that was he was a leader in the locker room and he put a lot of guys over and he was uh He's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame this year. So, and that's the thing of too. Like, um, the last ride doc was a phenomenal watch, and it was almost like he, the way that he put the business over himself consistently, just his thought process and like his loyalty to Vince. Well, those were like two things that really stood out to me because mm-hmm. he could he could have been as egotistical as he wanted to be. Like, he was that damn good and. Again, he it's just crazy to me, too. I was thinking about this today, like at his peak, like he had to be Undertaker 24 seven. Right. Like now we live in this age of like, hey, we know that. I don't know. We know that the fiend, we know that Bray Wyatt isn't actually a psychotic clown who has like a (laughs) Mr. Rogers show. Right. We know he's, he's he's a dad and he's 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 just a normal guy. Undertaker at his peak had to be the Undertaker 24 hours a day. And and that's that's insane to me. That's that level of like Daniel Day Lewis devotion <laughs> to that that type of acting or being you know that character is is wild. And it's so funny because this Thursday he's actually going to be on Hot Ones. <laughs> is he really? So he's going to be eating a shit ton of spicy chicken wings progressively. So it's it's just crazy this this dichotomy of just Undertaker before and Undertaker now, and he's still he's still great. He's still one of the best of all time. Um, it's just it's just wild how he's been. I mean, he's been able to evolve too, right? He, he just hasn't been the same Undertaker, same Dead Man for for what thirty years now. He's he's had different iterations of himself, yeah. Um, and and that's been awesome too. So, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to you know his appearance at Survivor Series. I'm looking. <laughs> does he does he in his appearance? Does he actually do something in the ring? Like, does he choke slam somebody, or does I, he I get think somebody he does. a tombstone? I think, he, I think he gets a move. He gets a choke slam and a tombstone off. Who 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 gets the? Uh, I feel like it's AJ. Rub. I feel like it's AJ. Just kind of like just to kind of finish just, it off. Just to, you know, bookend the uh, the boneyard match. And AJ's been he's been a little chicken shit heel. Uh, he's he's got the he's got the heater now. The big dude. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah. the raw underground bodyguard. So I think that that. 
that just makes the most so, sense. <laughs> my headphones just came out because I was like laughing thinking about it. Um, I saw somebody tweet today that Lana going through the, the announce table has lasted longer than Raw Underground. <laughs> I died laughing. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that, rest, I mean, of all the things that happened in 2020, Raw Underground is is right up there. <laughs> it, it, it was a thing that happened. We can, uh, it, it'll be something next year where we'll be like, hey, remember Raw Underground? And you'll say, was, I mean, next year it's going to feel like it was like 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Like, things that happened in January, like, when the NBA season ended and they were going back to like the beginning of the year. I was like, that shit happened in 2020. What the fuck? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. All right. We're, we're going to get out of here on that. Um, thank you again so much for bearing with us through our technical difficulties and just kind of needing some time to, uh, to simmer and get back to a place where we could talk about wrestling again. We are, we are back better than ever. I don't know if better than ever, but we're back <laughs> anyway. I mean, come on, let's just say we're better than ever. Yeah. That, we we got to sell ourselves. We're, we, we're, we have no Paul Heyman. So here we go. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And if you're one of our fantastic Apple podcast users, please, please, please rate us five stars on Apple podcasts. And if you're feeling spicy, leave a review and our Spotify people, Hit us with that follow so you can help us climb those Spotify charts. Make sure you subscribe and like our YouTube channel. We do a lot of work to make sure that this gets up on YouTube. Um, so, so help us out. Hit the red button, subscribe, watch our videos, like, drop comments, do all that good stuff. Uh, make sure that you um, follow us on social at 2 Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can follow Ben and on Twitter at Cruise Control. That's Control with a K. And you can follow me at Jeremy A. Loss. Look at that. I switched it up and it felt really, really weird. It- I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't you'll, like. It. <laughs> you'll go back. You, you, you. Once you've done it once, you'll, you'll, you've learned your lesson, and you'll go back to the. Uh, I felt like it was like an alternate universe. That was not fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, welcome to my world with, with just kind of <laughs> understanding like the logistics. Uh, all right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Thank you again so much for uh, bearing with us during our our quick little hiatus. But we are back, and uh, in the meantime. Uh, join us next week for for another show and and you know while you're waiting for that uh please wear a mask if you have to go outside stuff's stuff spiking people that's that's i'm not gonna politicize the virus because it's just it's just math as my friend john king would say it's just <laughs> math so wear a mask if you gotta go outside wash your hands stop touching your face um and again always and forever black lives matter All right, everyone, we'll talk to you soon. Peace.